<laughs> Lord Chips don't let the salad win. That's the message uh, in terms of uh, nature of the food, maybe, that uh, we consume in Wales compared to the Italians. But it's the Italians who will restart. This is the Eat More Chips podcast. Grab your bag of chips, salt, vinegar, perhaps a battered sausage or a dirty pie, a bit of sauce cork on the side, and let's go! Hello, and welcome to the Eat More Chips podcast, the official podcast one of the most recognisable flags in the Welsh football supporters' universe. In a week when Rishi Sunak has moved the date for the ban on sales of petrol and diesel cars to 2035, if these two were cars, one would be a 70s beige classic with velour interior and quadraphonic stereo, and one would be a clapped-out hot hatch with a big air scoop on the bonnet and more doors than wheels. It's Jamie and Daz, gentlemen. Good evening. Complimentary as ever. I'll let you work out who's who. Uh, Jamie, mixed fortunes for Exxon this week, uh, after the weekend. We'll go in depth into it in a minute, but where the men's team are concerned, a certain section of the fan base is is really wanting some massive changes in either selection or in the way, the form that we play. Should we be panicking and throwing the baby out with the bathwater, do you think? Throwing the baby out with the bathwater. No, I don't. I don't think so. I, I, I think um, I don't know whether I don't know whether Wrexham whether whether there's there's always been a an element of the fan base that's always been like this, or whether it's just now more noticeable because of the spotlight being on it so much. Um, you know, we we do we do seem to make you know very uh, you know very quick to make you know damning damning reactions to things. Uh, I don't think we need to be hitting the panic button as such, but but there are some sort of questions that need asking and, and things that need answering uh, after after the Saturday, that's for sure. Well, Daz, a similar set of disappointments for the national squads. Again, we'll get into the nitty-gritty in a minute, but were you disappointed that Wales women didn't play better versus Iceland and Denmark? Uh, well, there were there were flashes. That was the thing. I think this is the consistent thing that uh, consistency that's a bit bit disappointing. I think uh, you know if you look at some of the stats, I thought you know there, there was the, all the potential against Iceland, but you know tough to go away. But um, and then Denmark, you know, how do you? Yeah, you have to compete with one of the best teams around at the moment. They've shown some real good form, but um, yeah, there was there was moments where we looked really completely at a loss, and and then there were moments where actually I thought you know we did okay. So it's just finding that consistency. Well, welcome to Wrexham episodes four and five dropped this week. And as usual, warning, warning, spoilers ahead. So don't listen if you don't want to know. Episode four, titled Sean's Vacation, focused on the issues around Rob flying a blimp, unauthorised, Rob showing a 3pm Saturday match in public, unauthorised, and Paul Mullins' political boots and the picture he took of them in front of the Mould Road stand. Unauthorised. Episode 5, titled First Losers, looked at coming second in life and how it can suck. And what a breath of fresh air Dorking Wanderers are. Daz, first of all, you managed to catch up on the episodes from last week? 
I'm up, I'm up to three. I'm I'm I can never get through to the the, the episodes you're talking about in time for this. So uh, I mean, when you said stop listening because you know you didn't want I didn't want any spoilers. I stopped listening. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, uh, so, so, no. I, I am generally I waiting for the family. It's we're really enjoying it as a family watch at the moment. So uh, when we have a certain evening of the week where we all sit down together, and uh, unfortunately that's not in time for this pod. Well, what did you make of two and three? Did you enjoy those? Oh, heartstrings, you know, pull pull on the heartstrings, why don't you? You know, the the uh, uh, autism episode was just brilliant. We thought that was just such a lovely, lovely, lovely episode, really, really showing uh, just how wonderful a, a club you've got there in the sense that players know her name, know the history, you know, there, there's clearly, um, you know, a proper connection. And uh, that lovely lady who's your sort of disability awareness and access uh, support uh, personnel staff, uh, the lady in the wheelchair, she's, she's you Kerry. know, she's Kerry. Yeah. She, you know, she, she's brilliant. She clearly knows what, you know, I know she was a volunteer and it's great to see now that there's a proper role for her. So, yeah, that was really nice to see. Um, and then... Um, and then not 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 county one yeah well i mean i think i think that was that was good i think it was good because obviously it just put a bit of a uh you know uh curb that enthusiasm element and just put you know everything back on track and just you know the reality of it's not going to be straightforward i thought that was very good but um now am i right in saying because i've been saying this to 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 my family not county did get a fair amount of investment i know they lost their chairman you know through the season and stuff well they had two brothers uh, basically who own the club and they they get investment from other people and uh, i mean they are you know as Wrexham are they are in a in a fairly large amount of debt let's um let's let's not and and depending on the outcome of the the season for anybody who may have lived on Mars and doesn't know what happens at the end of that season, if Notts County don't go up from the National League, that would put that would put them in financial jeopardy as well. So mm. that's an equal thing from that point of view. So a little bit of jeopardy from there. Well, Daz, block your ears for a second. Jamie, have you managed to catch episodes four and five yet? Yeah, well, I've been sat on the sofa for the last fortnight with nursing my foot. So, uh, yeah, I watched them as soon as they dropped. A, cer- a certain amount of the fan base were fairly critical about both episodes. Look, right, I don't, I'm not, so far, I don't think it's it's been as good as, as season one. I think overall, and I'm talking overall here, because there have been some standouts, like the, the autism episode was, was incredible. But uh, overall, the episodes we've seen so far... Um, I, I, yes, I, I I understand where some people are coming from when they talk about uh, lack of football content. However, I fully understand that that's not what it's for. That's not what it's about. And like we said a couple of weeks ago, it's not for me and for you. It's for people like Daz and American versions of Daz, who exactly as he's just summarised, him and his family are thoroughly enjoying it because they're not necessarily vested in it. So I, I totally get it. Yes, I'd like to see more, a bit more football of the side of it. The behind the scene, the behind the scenes side of it. You know, I, I particularly enjoyed the the piece on I can't remember which episode it was in, um, but the piece about Mendy and a little bit about his backstory and how he came to the country and how he's ended up at Wrexham. So I enjoyed, you know, that that kind of behind the scenes football side of it. Um, but the, the the couple of things that are, that have sort of bugged me a little bit about it is is. Um, the episode lengths to me are just just not right. I, I just don't get the whole point of, of of like a twenty minute episode. I'd rather just have one. I know it sounds stupid. I'd rather just have one forty minute episode about that that is a, an entire episode rather than two episodes that are like twenty minutes long. 
And I also think the timeline's a bit all over the place at the minute. It's, it's, I'm just I'm just finding it all a little bit disjointed. But like I keep saying, it's it's not for me. It's not for you. I understand what it's for and who it's for. Um, and at the end of the day, I can get you know if I want to watch more football goals being scored and everything else, you know, I can go on YouTube for that. But um, yeah, I, I have to be honest. I'm not. I'm not. I don't. I don't think it's as good so far as 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 season one. Um, I thought the the Sean Harvey's holiday episode was was uh was was quite was quite funny um you know that, that was that was quite humorous um although it does uh i felt the, the bit i found most interesting about that episode was was just a, 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 and it's not you know it sounds like i'm being a bit sort of uh, uh derogatory and i'm not I, i'm curious to know if when sean's not there everything falls on humphrey then then what's fleur's involvement in the operation um, you, you know, but just again because she she's sort of in the shadows, isn't it? It's hard to know what her her, her involvement in the club is. But obviously, because she's not involved in the documentary, we we don't get to see that. I consider these episodes to be like uh, a starter in a big meal because we know what's coming. You know, we know that the in you know there are what I think sixteen episodes in total. We're only up to episode five. We know that come episodes probably 14, 15, 16, or 15, 16, we're going to get to a very, very big climax and everything that goes with that. The thing is, it was like the, the episode that featured the bit a bit about dorking. You know, I thought, uh, um, you know, that, that, was, that was good in the sense that it was nice to sort of um, tell a little bit of a backstory of dorking and who they are and where they've come from and sort of introduce you to... To, to 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 particularly to Mark White because he's such a character, but I find it quite quite uh, interesting that they they did that piece, however many minutes it was on on Dork and everything else, but then didn't even mention the match. It, there was no there was no mention of the football side of it. It's storytelling, okay? Because they've already they've already painted Notts County as Wrexham's closest rivals, and in that episode they absolutely painted Notts County as the bad guys with the message saying you can stick your you know your documentary up here you know what so they're, they're, it's it's storytelling as you rightly said Jamie it's not a it's not a football uh, highlight show it's a it's a story and it's a story that has to be i know what you're saying about small 20 minute snippets and i agree i think 20 minutes is is too short but i also think like you say it's for you know people who basically want the story in bite sized bits they don't want they're not nerds like you and me and Daz who basically want to know the ins and outs about everything to do with football. They just want a nice short story. I, th- I think that the, the thing as well is is that you do have to, you know, you as as fans who you know follow it week in week out and and have, have followed it for a long time, we just have to keep remembering it's not it's not Sunderland until I die or it's not the the all or nothing no. type docu docu series that were on Amazon. You know, th- yeah. that's why I think a lot of people potentially were expecting. And as much as I would love to see that, that's not what this is, and it never has been. No. No, I agree. I think I think I think that's the thing that allows it to be accessible because there are plenty of people that I know who are watching this who are definitely not football fans. They have no interest in the game, and I think the more football you put in it, actually, might then turn them away. So it has captured a certain imagination and a certain audience, but that audience is not the same people that you and I hang out with. I think that's the difference. <laughs> First match of the week saw Gemma Granger's Wales side travel to Reykjavik to take on Iceland in the first game of Group A3 in the Nations League. 
Gemma picked a strong starting lineup for Wales after their 2 0 friendly defeat to the USA in the summer, with Clark in goal, a back four of Roberts, Ladd, Evans, and Woodham, a midfield of Captain Sophie Ingle, Holland, James, Fishlock, and Jones, with Kayleigh Green up front. Cymru dominated the first half, with Fishlock firing an effort over within two minutes, and Kayleigh Green heading a corner over the bar. Green then looked to lob Ivers Dottier from distance, but the Wales striker hesitated before taking the shot, and the Iceland goalkeeper got back to see the ball drift harmlessly wide. Iceland grew into the contest halfway through the first half, and Zomers fired a long-range effort across the face of goal with Iceland's first chance. Iceland's keeper was called into action minutes later when Green laid the ball off for Jones on the edge of the area and her deflected shot required a very smart save. Iceland almost went ahead on 15 minutes when an error from Woodham allowed Anders Dottir to drive into the Wales box. Her cross across the face of the goal was not dealt with by Clark and Roberts did excellently to deny Jessen at the back post. But only three minutes later Iceland took the lead. After winning what was a controversial corner, Vigas Dottir was left completely unmarked by the Wales defence and headed home from close range. Iceland 1, Cymru 0. The only significant chance for Cymru came in first half stoppage time when Roberts's headed cross was not dealt with by Sigurd Dottir. However, Jones could not generate enough power to beat the keeper from close range with her first time swivelling shot and it stayed 1-0 to Iceland at the break. The second half was a more even contest with Iceland starting brightly and looking to exploit Cumbria on the counter-attack but Cumbria absorbed the pressure well before once more taking control of the game and on 61 minutes Rachel Rowe came on for green and made a positive impact for the visitors. Cumbria's dominance increased as the second half wore on but they failed to test the Iceland keeper. Morgan came on Fishlock on 76 minutes and Hughes came on for Jones on 89 minutes. Cymru then threw the kitchen sink at Iceland for the final four minutes of stoppage time, but Iceland's defence held firm on what was a frustrating start to the Nations League for Granger's side. More worryingly, Cymru had 62% of the possession, 12 shots on goal, but only two on target. And the score finished, Iceland won, Cymru nil. Daz, disappointing night for Cymru. What was your assessment of the game? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting that the fact that Iceland were a team ranked higher, and so there was obviously uh, an expectation that this was going to be a challenge. But I was I was surprised to see how dominant Wales, you know, uh, were throughout the game. You know, there was a, you know, really it was just one set piece that unlocked them, and and for that level of dominance, you've got to be a little bit disappointed that there wasn't more to to take home from it um i know there were shots i know there was uh, you know there was opportunities but just not to be that clinical in the final third um some odd decision making with some of the passes but you know it i I think i think we're probably just not used to um seeing another team be so defensive block uh again against us and it's a it's a it's a technique that they're clearly not experienced with where i think i think Cymru have always had to be that team themselves for so many years and then with a counter or or a you know some moments of of flair and, and brilliance usually from fishlock or somebody then then we can unlock a team but i think we're good at being solid in defense so 
so you've got the flip side there. You've got the one fact that you know we gave away the goal from a, a, a set piece, and and we're and we're consistently good at, at being you know defensively strong in that sense. So that was disappointing. And then to have so much possession, so much opportunity in theory to not really test the goalkeeper enough. You know, it was say was it two on target? Um, it 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 it. it it didn't merit the the amount of possession and 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 all the positives that they had from 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 within their you know build up play. So yeah, it's just if I, th- I think frustration really because that didn't look like a team that were fourteen, fifteen, however many places further up, uh, further up in the in the FIFA rankings. I mean, it seemed to be that they would get so far to to you know pretty much up to the edge of the area and then it would just fizzle out. That kind of movement off the ball wasn't in the right place or they just couldn't quite make that last pass which which was a real shame because as you say 60% 62% possession but only two shots on target i mean that is not a very good you know ratio really is it at this at this, at this level internationally certainly yeah, no, I mean, the, yeah, it's. I, th- I th- they know that as well. They know that as a team, they they knew they had. The, this was an opportunity. It's the first game in a, in a major, you know, in a qualifying. Well, it's. I know it's the Nations League, but there's a qualifying element about it and progress and progression and there's so many benefits. I do like this format of the getting rid of friendlies and having a little bit of a competitive edge. So I'm a big fan of this. But so it's the first game in the group. And it's away, so it was always going to be testing, and 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 uh, I have never been to Iceland, but I've you know I've seen other games, other nations play against Iceland, and it always feels like a very uh, you know partisan crowd. Um, I don't think many people travel, you know, in terms of away fans. So 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 you know cost and distance and all of that um so it's it's and their fans are vocal you know and with their thunderclap and all of that kind of thing going on it's it's I, I imagine it's quite an intimidating place so that was always going to be a test and so for them to overcome that part of the test what seemed successfully it just it just felt like an opportunity missed really jamie i imagine with the other teams in this group cumbry would have uh, you know, focused on the Iceland game as potentially a match that we needed to get something from. How disappointed do you think Gemma Granger will be that Cymru didn't manage to at least get a point from this game? Yeah, I mean, losing any game, that, that you know, she she will have been disappointed. Um, I, you know, it's 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 important. It's like that says, isn't it? I think um, it's nice that there's a there's a slight competitive edge now to these games rather than it just being. I think meaningless friendlies, but you know what I mean when I say that. Um, so you know, by by raising the stakes slightly and, and having that slightly more competitive element to it, it, it it means there's a little you know there should be a little bit more bite in the game. Um, so you know she'll want to go into every game as 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 anybody who plays professional football or any level of football does will want to go into the game to get something out of it. So you know I think she'd be bitterly disappointed that she didn't that, that we get, didn't get anything out of the game. Daz, did any company players stand out for you in this match? Um, well, I mean, I think, you know, there were moments where the whole team played well together. I thought um, Fionn Morgan, again, uh, I mean, she's electric. I want to mention her. I was actually going to mention her in the demo, but I'm going to do it now. Why does she not start? I don't know. I don't know. She's she's frightening. She's absolutely yeah, frightening. terrifying on that on that wing play, on that, on that right wing. She is 
terrifying. Yeah. I mean, is, do you think it's because she can't, she doesn't have 90 minutes in her or she's more of an impact player off the bench? I mean, why do you think it is? Your guess is as good as mine. I think, I think those are all good reasons. I think, uh, I don't know enough of her club history to know whether or not she's playing consistently and regularly for club side, whether or not she's coming back from an injury. Um, I, I, I could probably find that out, but, but it, it, it does, it does feel a bit odd, but equally, I've seen many a team keep their, you know, so an impact player like this as a substitute and come on once the team is generally tired. They're never going to cope with that pace. Whereas if you start them from the beginning, it's it's a bit more manageable. I some would say, but I just think I haven't seen either performance uh, a, a better performance from 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 either game that we've just seen that 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 could say that that the defense could handle. You know, the, the, she was just breaking through the lines all the time. You know, a decent ball over the top. Uh, okay, maybe more obvious in the second game. But against Iceland, because they were so deep, they were so there was a block. It was it it was harder. There wasn't the space behind in all the time. But when there was, you put a decent ball through, and she's going to be on it. I mean, it's it's just incredible. So uh, yeah, I think I think we need to utilise that more. But uh, you know, obviously, Gemma knows her team better than we do. Uh, I I'm sure Fionn's got her her personal view on it as well. I'm sure she would love to play for Wales, you know, full caps and stuff like that. But you know, when you do come on, you've just got to make a point that you're as, you know, as good as the opportunity you've been given and fair play, Fionn took them. Well, on Saturday, Wrexham men travelled to Edgeley Park to take on Stockport in a League Two fixture. Phil Parkinson made only one change from the emphatic win versus Grimsby the week before. Howard in goal, Hayden, Tozer and Boyle at the back, Barnett and McLean as wing-backks, O'Connor, Lee and Young in midfield and Dolby replacing Palmer alongside Mullin up front. We were expecting a contest with an improving Wrexham side showing where they are developing well. What we got was nothing short of a horror show. For the first 20 minutes, Wrexham played well and really tested the Stockport defence. In the first minute, Ben Tozer had a chance with a long throw in. Two unconvincing clearances eventually led to the ball dropping to Elliot Lee, but he sliced his shot wide. Lee was in again on five minutes, playing a clever 1-2 with Paul Mullin after Tom O'Connor's probing pass and opening up onto his left foot, but his low shot was too close to Hinchcliffe in goal. Four minutes later, Dolby got another toes throw between two defenders to the near post, but slightly unsighted, headed well off target. All looked good for Wrexham, and then on 21 minutes, against the runner play, Stockport were in front. Collar ran on to Hinchcliffe's ball over the top and crossed low from the right wing, for Alafe to finish from close range. Stockport 1, Wrexham 0. This seemed to rock Wrexham and created 11 minutes of Stockport dominance that pretty much ended the game competitively. On 30 minutes, a gift of a misread from Toza on Boyle's back pass let Alafe in to turn him and score from close range. Stockport 2, Wrexham 0. If there was any hope of getting back into the game, only two minutes later, it all disappeared. Barry scored with a stunning strike, although his run was far too easy through the middle of the pitch to fire in Stockport's third. Stockport three, Wrexham nil. Wrexham regrouped up to half-time, but the damage was already done. If Wrexham were expecting a recovery in the second half, it only took five minutes for that to be snuffed out. Barry's left-wing cross deflected kindly for Olafe to head in at the back post and complete his hat-trick. Stockport four, Wrexham nil. Although Wrexham had some chances, they were speculative at best. Wrexham did grow into the half despite the deficit and Dolby found McLean on 63 minutes, but the Irishman's shot was beaten clear by Hinchcliffe. Mullin then went even closer, his header was deflected up onto the crossbar and Lee shot wide across the goal from the rebound. 
On 65 minutes, Evans, Fletcher and Palmer came on for Boyle, Dolby and Mullin, with O'Connor moving to centre-back, putting Evans in midfield. The substitutions made a little difference, with more pressure being put on Stockport's defence, but by that point, Stockport had taken their foot off the pedal and didn't need to take any chances. Ford and Davis came on for Barnett and Lee on 88 minutes, but Wrexham still couldn't keep it tight to the back, and on 90 minutes, Paddy Madden popped up in the box unmarked to score and rub salt into the Dragons' wounds. Stockport 5, Wrexham 0. The score, thankfully, finished at this, giving Wrexham their worst away defeat in nearly 10 years and their worst result against Stockport since a 6-1 defeat in 1935. Wrexham finished the day 7th in League 2 on 15 points. Jamie, not so much a bad day at the office, but more like setting fire to the office and running away. What was your assessment of this game? And then going back to the office and shitting on the ashes. <laughs> what was my assessment of this game? I tell you what, your little summary there, you made you made us sound like a, a lot better than we actually were, I'll be honest with you. I had to. I had to, otherwise I'd start crying. Oh, my God. Um, none of us expected anything like that did, did they not none you know none of us on here as as per our predictions last week and and none of the fan base you know as much as i saw a few people suggesting a kg you know kg game uh you know a draw would be a good result uh not i didn't i didn't see or hear or, or read many people suggesting that we we were gonna lose um and, and certainly not get tonked um yeah, it was a it was a Jekyll and Hyde, wasn't it? I mean, you know, from the Grimsby game the week before, and and what what was our best performance of the season to 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 go into what was what was by far our worst performance. Um, I mean, where, like you say, where where where'd you start? I mean, you know, start at the beginning, the, the starting lineup. So, you know, it, it was probably as expected, pending. Uh, you know injuries. The, the the one notable, obviously, was what wasn't it was was Dolby being in for Palmer. Um, you know, look, I I, I don't want to dwell on it too much because because I'm I'm getting a bit of a reputation for 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 creating witch hunts on players, and that's, <laughs> that's, that's and that's that, that, and that that's not very fair. I'm just calling it how I see it. But but I, I'm sorry to say, but I think I'm not sure Dolby is is. I'm not sure Dolby is is League Two standard. I, I've got to be honest. Um, you know, it, the only way I can sort of um, the only way I can can highlight it is if you compare him to compare him to Mullin, right? So Mullin's only just back from from an injury. He's still building his building his fitness up. Watch how much he moves and presses and harries and and badges. Player defenders during the game, and then look at Dolby's game, and you can argue and say, "Well, that's not his game," but but there has to be a basic level of of um, uh, I don't know, maybe enthusiasm not the right word, but a certain and a basic level of of intensity. And I just I am not seeing it from Dolby, and 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 I surprised that it's not being recognised by the management, if I'm honest. Um, so, so for me, when I saw him on the on on the on the on the starting lineup, I was a bit disappointed because you had Palmer and you had Fletcher on the bench, and obviously we're not privy to their fitness levels and everything else. But I've always been a, a um, I've always been of the opinion that if a player's fit enough to be on the bench, then he's fit enough to play a part in the game. And I would rather him play a part in the game 
earlier than later. So I personally would have started with either of those ahead of Dolby, but look, he, he's he's gone with Dolby, and that's it. And that's and that's not me setting this up as me saying that because Dolby was playing, that's why we got Tom. Absolutely nothing to do with it. I'm just calling it out that that was a that was kind of a the, the headline starting point for me. But then as we got into the game, I mean, you said in your little intro there that 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 um, that we played. Uh, you know that we played well for the first twenty minutes. I think you're being generous there, to be honest. I think we played well for the first ten minutes, um, and then I think I think the second ten minutes was was a was very scrappy, where both teams weren't weren't particularly great. I mean, you know, we had a, we had a warning shot in the second minute. I don't know if you remember this, but uh, you know, Mark Howard come hesitated and nearly took their player out. Thankfully, he, I mean, he made he made some contact. It was out wide, so it wasn't in front of the goal. They were covering defenders. And I, and thankfully the player got up. He could have made a meal of it, but you know he he was he was lucky. He was lucky, and that that sort of set the precedent of what was to come. And highlighted a few things around Mark Howard for the game as well. But um, you know that 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 was in the second minute. Uh, like I say, first ten minutes. You know we we did create a couple of chances that we good good amount of pressure. I was quite I was quite fascinated about the the the, the, the tactical side of the, the way the win backs were set up because the win backs seemed seemingly were, were told to stand off, you know, stand off and then press once they once the Stockport win backs or wide men got the ball to press and press quickly. And you could see both Barney and McLean doing that. And it was so it was quite interesting, but it, it just all seemed to disappear. Like I say first ten minutes we were okay. Second ten minutes was very scrappy. Um, and 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 then you know as you called out against the run of play, um, we we conceded the first goal. Um, you know I've watched it back a couple of times, and and the, the big question, the big question mark for me was I I can't I don't understand why McLean was so far up the field and Lee was so far behind, so far back. You know maybe I missed something in the build up or maybe we didn't see it on camera or something, but. You know when that long ball came over, and it was it was just a simple, uh, you know, it was route one. Simple, it was yeah, it was route one. It was just it was just a long ball down the wing, but obviously it was for some reason you had Lee back there. McLean was further forward. To be fair to Lee, as we we mentioned last week, you know, talking about his work rate going backwards, he tracked and he tracked and he tried his best to get back to that defender. Um, sorry, to the attacker, but you know the attacker was just a, a, a step ahead of him. But it was a simple ball across the, across the goal, and it was it was an, an easy finish. Although, again, when I watched it back, um, I I would question whether, you know, maybe it's maybe I'm being harsh, but I would question whether Boyle could have or should have um, intercepted the cross. Um, and then you've also got to ask a question of of, of Toza because if you watch the attacker making his way into the box, Toza's got a a good um, he's got a good head start on him. So I think he just switches off a little bit. Maybe he's not anticipating the cross coming in or what, but either way, the cross comes in. To be fair, striker, well done to the striker. He got in front of the defender and he, and he popped it in. It was against the run of play, but, but, but you know that that was it. Uh, you know we that conceded that goal, and then again I don't know if you remember this, but but not long after that we were lucky not to go two 0 down. Yeah, no, no, I've just I've just not mentioned it because it, it's painful enough with that paragraph that I wrote. I didn't want to put anything more in there. But these, it's important to call these out because these these uh, these set the 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 tone of the game. You know that 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 nearly going two 0 down. Um, you know, we allowed them to move the ball through midfield again, which highlighted this issue we've seen all season where we're not pressing enough and we're, and, and we're letting people overrun us in midfield. 
Um, and then they moved the ball out wide. Again, we didn't press. Plenty of players in and around the ball, but we're just standing off and not pressing. Simple ball in. Um, and then somehow, you know, they, their strikers ended up with a free header in between Boyle and McLean. And he should have buried it. He absolutely should have buried it. So we were lucky not to go to go 2 0 down, to be honest with you. But after we lost that goal, after we lost that first goal, and then obviously the, the, the chance not long after that, um, we, we just lost. We lost our composure. We lost our heads, I think. And, uh, you know, everything became hurried. We started making mistakes. Um, you know, we started allowing Stockport to gather momentum and move the ball around a little bit. And then the third goal, you know, look, if you're watching it as a neutral, you you look at it and you say, fair play to uh, to, to Louis Barry. That was, was a hell of a goal. Um, but from a defensive perspective and from Wrexham's perspective, which is obviously what we're looking at, it, 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 was, a, it was a cheap goal to give away. You know, he, 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 he walked through the midfield you know, obviously, yes, he was running at pace. We stood off him. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think there was there was enough effort to try and close him down quickly enough. We stood off him. We stood off him. We let him run at us. And yes, he's got pace. And yes, as I've said a million times, it it, it is our our kryptonite. But he, you know, we stood off. We stood off, and he he he, he you know, good shot and a good goal. Again, uh, maybe people will call me critical, but I watched it back a few times, and and for me. It, 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 I, there's a question mark for me over Howard um, and, and one of his two weaknesses. One, you know, one of his weaknesses being his, his speed in which he comes off his line, and the other weakness is is, is his game getting down quickly. And I think that that third goal highlighted hit a weakness there because if you watch it back, I'm not sure. You know, he's not moved his feet quick enough, and he's not got down quickly enough. Um, but then, you know, we 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 like say as our composure had gone after that first goal, we were then just resorted to to long balls, and and they weren't sticking because, um, you know, we've got we've got Dolby uh, and, and Mullin up front. Well, Mullins Mullins Mullin Mullin's not a target man, and uh, and and Dolby is as big as as you know as big and as physical as he is, and he should be. He he's he's he doesn't hold the ball and he doesn't uh, link the play and he he doesn't win the headers that that Palmer and and what I think Fletcher will will do. So, you know the balls were just being lumped up, but nothing was sticking. And and for Mullin, he, he, you know I said last week I genuinely thought he would get his first goal of the season, but he, he didn't have a sniff. You know there was there was there was there was nothing. Um and you know and that was that brought the, the, the an end to what was a, a disastrous first half. But then the second half, you know when the teams came out. I couldn't believe that we were sending the same team out. I genuinely couldn't believe it. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, okay, I'm sure, I'm sure that, that you know we we make we make a joke about Parky enthusiasm at halftime, and I'm I'm sure that the air was very very blue. It's interesting you say that because Jordan Davis has started on Twitch. He now plays yeah, that, FIFA yeah. on Twitch, and somebody asked him the question, "What was Parky's halftime team talk?" And he said, "Yeah, it was not good." He was not a happy bunny, and after that performance, I'm not surprised. Is what he said. The the thing is, right? Hindsight's a wonderful thing, and it's also easy for for me and you and anybody else to to say, well, we should have done this, and we should have done that, and he should have done this, and he should have done that. The, the, ultimately, I, I'm not the Rexham manager. I'm not a Rexham player. I, I'm just giving my opinion with it, and, and I'm trying to be as objective as I can. You know, I'm not trying to be overly critical or pick anybody out deliberately. But for me. To send that team out, presumably he 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 had his bleep machine on constant, and he turned the air blue and he tore into them and he and and in my mind because he's quite an old school manager he sent him out there and said, "You go and put it right," 
that's what I'm, 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 that's what I'm expecting. He's done. I would agree. But, but for me, you, you have to. There are times where you have to look at things and say, right, this isn't working. And and for me, all of the team that were out there, I, I couldn't pick a man of the match or a man of that first half for me. You know, you could argue and say, well, you know, Luke, Luke Young was was his usual sort of engine, and, and and but you know, he ultimately he's in the middle of midfield, and and the midfield crumbled at times in that first half. So for me, I could you couldn't pick a, a man of so so. I, I, if I'm if I'm in charge of that team, I'm looking at that saying, right, we're three 0 down, we're away from home, it's been a disaster. We need to change something here. Not not send the exact same thing out and say, right, let's see if we can change it. But like I say, he, that's what he did, and I, I was I was gobsmacked. I was absolutely gobsmacked. Um, you know, to be honest with you, but I, I I just think that was a little spotlight on what I've said a couple of times on this pod about the fact that it worries me that we don't seem to have a plan B, because that to me is when you that's when you deploy plan B in that kind of scenario. Now whether that's chucking three up top or whether that's you know going to a a four three three or a four four two or whatever it is, do something different. Change the personnel. Change the formation one or the other, or do something. But to send that same team out there with a flea in their ear, for me, was a mistake. And, and I was genuinely surprised that we did that, but but we did. And to be honest, like you said, five minutes into the second half, that, that any, any uh, you know, any kind of, uh, uh, you, you know, steel that had been put into them at half-time was, was, was thrown out of the window, uh, thrown out of the window because we conceded that fourth goal and that was game over. That, you know, that next goal was, was critical. If we'd have got that, First goal after you know the half time, then then who knows? But to concede that fourth goal was 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 um, you know was was a disaster, and and it it was the same same problem, same issues again. You know we stood off we stood off them, gave them too much time to move the ball around us. Um, you know if you watch it, it looked a very slick goal. It looked a very a very a very good goal, and it and it was. You know I'm I'm not being critical to to stop it here. You know they deserve. They deserve all the praise, you know. They've turned us over and given us a hiding. But if you watch that fourth goal back, it's basic, simple football: pass, move, pass, move, pass, move. Little triangles, and they worked it around us like as if we were we were stood still. Um, we, you know, we gave them too much time, too much space. Again, not pressing enough, not enough intensity. Um, and you know, they they uh, simple ball into the box. And if you if you if you I watched it a couple of times and I and I paused it when it was on the screen because I couldn't believe what I was seeing. There were six defenders in and you know when that ball went into the box, there were six defenders in and around the the the, the six yard box when that ball went in, and not one of them was near the goal scorer. And he had you know again it was a free header and okay it was a decent enough header, and again I'm going to sound like I'm being critical, but having watched it a couple of times, I'm going to raise a slight question on on could Howard have done better on that one? Because if you watch the header, it was placed well, it was placed in you know right against the post in the corner, but it wasn't a particularly powerful header. You know, he, it was more of a, dire- a directed you know he directed it more than anything else. Again, could he have done better? You know, who knows? I personally, I've looked at it and thought if if you've got a goalkeeper there, it's a little bit more nimble, a bit somebody that's moving their feet a bit quicker, they're saving that. But you know, look, it it, it went in. Um, and then we got we waited till what sixty four minutes before um, the substitutes were, were substitutes were made. And I, again, I was scratching my head at it to be honest with you, because although I don't think any of the defenders um, sort of particularly um, covered themselves in glory, I thought 
the best of a bad bunch was probably Boyle. Boyle. Yeah, absolutely. And he got and he, and and, and, and he I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand why he got took, taken off, and then you move Tom O'Connor from central midfield back into central defence, which is not his natural. You know, it's not his natural position. I know he's played there a lot for us, but that's not his natural position. Um, and and it, it, in all honesty, I think probably needs a break from the team because he's he, he's not playing well at the minute, Tom O'Connor. I don't think. Um, so that I was absolutely bemused by that, to be honest with you. But again, we stuck to our guns and we carried on same formation. And excuse me, I found it I found it just a bit odd. But there we go. That seems to be what Parky wants to do. He seems to he doesn't seem to want to make changes until that sixty sixty fifth minute, unless he has to, um, and doesn't seem to want to deviate from from this this three five two. Um, but again, you know that, that, that's 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 for him. You know that's his decision, not mine. Um, you know, after that, after the substitutions, and then you know, for the sort of fifteen twenty minutes after that, you know, we we had a few half chances. Um, it all felt a bit desperate, though, to me. I mean, you know, you had, um, I think Luke Luke, Luke Young um, uh, got uh, pulled a, got the forced the keeper into a good save. We had a couple of half shots um, and everything else. Elliot Lee hitting the bar with a great shot on on seventy two minutes, which. Once you kind of hit, once you saw that hit the bar, I just sort of thought to myself, yeah, we're not scoring. We could be here all day, and we're not going to hit a cow's ass with a banjo. Um, so <laughs> it 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 was just, but it, it you know it, it all felt a bit desperate to to, to me, to be honest with you. Um, <clears throat> and then obviously the fifth goal, and and again, it, it was just a calamity. Um, of all people, as well, not Paddy Madden. Of all I people, because he absolutely hates us. But you know. It, it, Again, the question, the, the main, the headline question is where was where was the defence? You know, again, that same problem that was consistent through this whole game and has been through when we've when we've conceded stupid goals this season, it's been our our, our core problem, which is the midfield not not pressing, not pressing, standing off, letting players run at us. You know, um, if you watch it, you know, um, if you watch it. Just as before, he I think it was I think it was uh, Louis Barry again clipped it in. If you watch just before he clips the ball in, you know O'Connor's nowhere near him. You know he, he he's nowhere near putting any pressure on him. He's the closest player to him, but he's still nowhere near him. And then when he does clip the ball in, somehow you've ended up with with two Stockport players in between the the, the you know the four defenders. But the thing that really really got me about that goal is if you watch Madden's first, so he's on the six yard line. You watch his first touch, and the ball goes about I don't know four or five foot in front of him now if again watch if you watch it back right if if you if if my goalkeeper's there I'm wanting my goalkeeper to be pouncing on that and he should be pouncing on that because the ball his first touch is is crap and it, it goes too far in front of him but somehow Howard again slow off his line and allows Madden the time to reset his feet and get a toe on it and poke it in and and you know that 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 for me was again another another highlight of of um, I think Howard should have done better. I'm not you know I'm not going to say he's at fault for the goal because I think there were you know you, the question is how should the ball have even got to him where it did? No, it shouldn't have. But I'm I'm you know for me there's a question mark again over 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 Howard. Um, but I mean you know the bottom line is it 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 was not a good day at the office. It raised. You know, it raises a lot of questions for me about uh, you know a lack of plan B. 
you know, all eleven, all eleven players, and even the players that came in off off the bench, they they were they were under par, um, and it 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 highlight, you know, throughout that game, it highlighted our main what what's been our main problems this this season, which is a, um, you know, uh, the, the this 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 midfield unit, we we haven't got a combination yet that's worked, and it and it's a it's a it's a porous midfield, you know, it, it's 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 overrun too easily. Standing off, letting players run it, run at them, and then the second thing is pace. Again, I've been saying it all season. It is our kryptonite. We cannot handle pace, and the longer we let it go on without correcting it or doing something about it, the more opposition are going to read into it and exploit it. Because if you put somebody that's got pace up against us, we cannot handle it. Not only at the back, but through the midfield as well. Um, but you know, the, the, I suppose the most concerning thing about about the game really was. You know, we know we've got quality in this team and in this squad. We've got we've got some outstanding quality, but we lack quality on on Saturday, um, which we know we've got in spades. But it, the the thing for me, it, it were the worst thing about it, apart from conceding five goals, is you know is we we, we it looked like we lacked intensity and we lacked desire, and those things for me are regardless of what quality you've got, those are absolute bare minimums and and something that you expect to see week in week out, home or away. And that that's that's worrying, you know, worrying for me because I don't want Wrexham to be turned into this Jekyll and Hyde club. You don't know what team's going to turn up. You know, we 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 thought after Grimsby we were starting to see some momentum and momentum shift and just going to start building up ahead of steam. And that's not to say that I expect to win every game every week. That's not going to happen. But you're getting back to the stage now where who's going to turn up on Saturday? And and I, and I, you know, it's not not I don't don't particularly like it. Oof, right, well, he's obviously waited a week for that rant, so go and have a lie down in the dark room for a bit, Jamie, and take some Valium. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't swear. Daz, I feel like a stuck record. Wrexham, 20 shots, five on target, no goals. Stockport, 10 shots, five on target, five goals. Wrexham were doing well with four clean sheets, but when you looked at Tozer, Boyle, McLean, they looked as if they'd never played together in their entire life. What do you think defensively is going wrong with Wrexham? And have we got five hours to talk about that? <laughs> well, I haven't seen the whole game. And, of course, the highlights reel only shows the goals, really, and the sort of near goal mouth uh, opportunities. So, from what I could see, there were moments. But the moments that you described in terms of the goals that Stockport scored, there were, you know, the second or the third one, I can't remember. It's just like, you might as well have been the Red Sea, parted the waves and just literally let the man straight through the middle. And 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 that's, that's not typical of any team of Wrexham, let alone, you know, a team that we've been critical of. It's, that's not normal. So something went wrong there. Whether they you, you've hinted at various formation or, um, or attacking plays, where people were perhaps in different positions than normal, maybe they were. They thought they had a tactic to play, to nullify something that they've seen in Stockport's play. Ah, who knows? I it just didn't seem very typically Wrexham, um, especially after the the slower start, building up that that momentum of some really good strong performances, results going your way, and then thud. I mean, it was absolutely unexpected. But even the second goal does. I mean, you know, Boyle messed at the back pass, but Toza was so slow to react that Olafe basically just pretty much danced around him and put it in. Oh, shit. shit. Sorry, you will need the bleep machine again. I totally forgot about the second goal. I, I skipped past that over my notes. 
Jesus Christ. But you guys have been saying that Tozer, like, well, he played every minute of last season, didn't he? He did, and yes, and he has played every moment of this season as well. So here's here's our first moment of, you know, you've said it before, Jamie, you know, but do we not need to give the man a rest a little bit every now and again? I think I think there's a... So, sorry, I'm, I'm butting in on your time now, but I can't believe I didn't mention that second goal because that was the worst of the lot. So with Tozer, right, I think there's, there's, there's a couple of things to, to, to probably just say. So So one is... And, and you've you, you've 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 got to um, you've got to show some empathy and you've got to show some some human compassion, right? So, uh, Daz, I don't know if you know know about this. I know Simon, you will. But obviously, he, he lost his dad recently unexpectedly. Now, it you know it, the reason I'm mentioning it is not because it's making excuses or anything like that, because he wouldn't want anybody to make excuses for him. But you have to, you know, and, and it's been on social media because he did an interview this week, didn't he? With um, it was BBC Wales. BBC Wales, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now. Um, you know, he 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 won't want that to be used as an excuse if 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 his performances are bad. But but we we have to just probably mention it because at any level, no matter what profession you're in, you know something like that is going to have an effect on you. And you, you know we have to trust that that obviously he he's he's confident that he can still do his job okay his job's playing football but he's he has you know we have to trust he's confident he can still do his job to the best of his ability and that's not affecting him and and but it, it's worth just just sort of putting that out there as being part of the conversation i think i think you know, that's very that's very kind of you and gracious of you but i'm i'm just going to be the devil's advocate and say that you know before that happens there were there you had mentioned this is not the toes that you'd come to love over the last season or what have you and and his his pace is he's off the pace he's not 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 up to speed and is that down to too much game time i i, I only mentioned the thing about his dad because i think it's just worth it's it's worth. No, no, I think that, that, I think you that, have that, to. That, I think it's a really genuine issue. Yeah. yeah, you know. But but if I park that to one side for a minute, because we 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 have to work on the assumption that as a professional, both him and Parky have had a conversation, and they've deemed that he can still do his job without that affecting him. Now, in with that in mind, and as difficult as it is to park his personal situation to one side, just judging what he's doing on the pitch. There is, there are question marks for me. He's been, he's been more cold than he's been hot this season. He's had a couple of good games, but he's had some stinkers. Um, and I think his his lack of pace and his his uh, his susceptibility to pace is really being highlighted in this league because we're coming up against quick players, a lot more quick players than we used to coming up against. And I think, I think it's being exposed a little bit now. Now, for me, the question has to be asked, should he, I think in the National League on his first season with us, he, he became quite quickly, he was your first name on the team sheet. And, you know, all, all respect for that. But the question has to surely be asked now, is his current form, Does do, you know, should the question be asked with his current form, should he be maybe given a rest and try something different? Now, I I don't know. Now, ultimately, the second goal on Saturday is it, it was. I mean, look, he'll be the first one to admit it. It was a terrible mistake. Now, when I watched it back, when I watched it first time, I needed a real life bleep machine. But uh, when I watched it back, I watched it a few times. I think the issue was is, <clears throat> excuse me. I think he had. I just think he had a, a complete moment, a, mo- a moment 
of of losing the spatial awareness of where he was on the pitch. I genuinely thought he, I think he thought he was further back and closer to Howard, and therefore when the ball kind of got pinged back to him, not directly at him, I think he thought it was it was maybe directed to Howard. And then, but then, what got me was when he turned round and quite quickly would have realised where he was, the fact that Howard was nowhere near it, and the fact that the attacker was was going to make a move for it. It's like as if he just seemed to go in reverse and then stop. It was it was bizarre, but it was such a daft goal to to, to give away. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, whatever part Boyle played in it or Howard played in it or didn't play in it, it was. Toza's mistake, and 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 it's just another you know another mistake that's happened that's highlighted it this season times where he's not he's not been as dependable as he as he was certainly was most of last year. But who would you play? Who would you who would you play instead then? Because because obviously we've been waiting for the likes of Hayden to be fit, and and Boyle's a new addition. So if if Tosa was always the first name um how how do you how do you displace him in that process you know who have you got as the backup i think the problem that you've got is is that is that parky is so uh set on this 352 formation he 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 won't deviate from it so so by playing that formation by 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 nature you have to have you know you have to have the three center back positions and because of that i think he he you know he's he's built that three, the defensive three, around Toza being in the middle. Now, who do you play instead of him? It depends on fitness and, and obviously who's available. I mean, Hayden obviously is back from injury now. Boyle's there. You've got um, uh, O'Connell who who has been injured, but I believe is on on his way back. You've got Tunnicliffe who again is is on his way back from injury, um, and you've also got you know you've got Max Cleworth there. Dare I say it as an option? You've got George Evans, who we brought in on transfer deadline day, who I think has been bought to be a defensive midfielder, but can play that centre centre back role, and did so against Newcastle under twenty ones in the in the um, uh, in the AFL Trophy game. And okay, you, I suppose you've got to you've got to uh, put a little asterisk against the opposition, but he was very good in that game playing centre centre back. So that's an option as well. Um, like I say, you know, ultimately it's it's not me that picks the team. I I, I to me, I just ask the question of w- would he benefit from from a, a breakout of the team? Obviously, you know, Parky doesn't think so because he 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 keeps him in there. But yeah, I think he's he's had more bad games than he's had good this season. That's for sure. Daz, going back to the defensive question for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you know. We 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 we're leaking a lot of goals over a large number of games. We've talked already about that this three five two formation. Is that the right formation? Is that the problem? Is having just three at the back just too skinny? And we need to go four at the back, shore it up, and create more of a defensive wall to try and stop that. Or are we losing more by doing that? Because obviously we are getting a lot of chances down the wings. Yeah, but that that three five two sometimes is described as a five three two in in various clubs because that those those wing players, but they're, they're full backs, wing backs, what you want to call them, um, they sometimes operate in both positions. So as much as you can call it a three five two, for you know, it could be described as you know. So you've got more defence sometimes if everybody tracks back. It it feels to me that from your descriptions that those those midfield 
wings don't track back and support as much as perhaps they could or should. I don't know. I would always see it as, uh, certainly from the players that currently inhabit those positions, whether it be McLean or Mendy or whether it be uh, Barnett or Ford, I would definitely see it as three five two and not five three two. Jamie, would you agree? Uh, yeah, yeah, I would. I, I, I would agree with you. I, I, I would. I would probably say that if you were playing, if you were playing uh, Ford and Mendy, you're probably closer to a five three two than you are than, than the other way. And then if you're playing Barney and McLean, I'd say you're probably closer to a three five two. In other words, I think if you're playing Barney and McLean, that's your more offensive attacking three five two setup. If you're playing Ford and Mendy, that's your more defensive three five two setup. But the, the the question for me more than anything is what like I say what's our plan B? Well, I'll go. I want to go into that a bit later. So don't don't blow don't blow the because I need to I need to talk about that later when we talk about this week's match. But Daz, let's go back. Let's go back to this defensive problem. Okay, yeah. we're leaking goals. Yeah, we had four clean sheets with the same format, whether it be as you say five three two or three five two. But with you leaking goals, is that the is that the right format for Wrexham at the moment, or should should Parky be going? Do you know what we need to go four at the back, create more of a wall, and stop the goals leaking in? Yeah, but I think that was my point was that when you've got three at the back, you do need those midfield players to track back and become that. I don't think you can defend against the likes of these teams like a Stockport with only three at the back. You're 100 percent right. That's the key to it. Is it's not so much the personnel that's at the back being the problem. Yes, there are question marks over the personnel at the back, but you're 100% right. It's the midfield element that's causing the bigger problem play in this formation because they're, they're, it's, it's like I said before, it's very porous. Whoever we play, there doesn't seem to be any steel in there. Yeah, but I, I think because you've just got that then space for them to get through. So whether they're attacking with one through the middle, two strikers, you know, three across the front, whatever their formation, if you have only got three at the back, then there is going to be spaces. There's going to be spaces into those wings, into those corners of which, um, you know, that they can be exploited. That said, from some of the footage I've seen, a lot of the a lot of the goals came down through the middle. So the, I think there's a different uh, different discussion about how solid the midfield five, if they are five, what what how do you get through a wall of five? Um, is that that shouldn't be happening? There there should be more steel. There should be more tackle. There should be more you know determination and and there's also cover so if somebody misses there should be more bodies in the middle um so so that's what makes me surprised that the defense is so leaky is that it 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 just feels like the balance isn't isn't using those those formations correctly or maybe because the division you've been in previously you haven't had to and because the the opposition, the strength of the opposition, uh, has allowed you to just be more dominant in attack, and we've we've always we've regularly said that that the Wrexham approach of scoring more goals than the opponents to win any game, and it doesn't matter how many you concede, will just score more. That's fine when you've got that firepower, but I just think going back to. Uh, uh, you know, the classic thing is strong teams are often built on a solid defence, and then the rest will follow afterwards. Uh, yeah, I, but but if your if your team if you, if if your team uh, layout if it's if it's set up in a way that is so used to three at the back, changing it to something like a four four two or changing it to a four five one whatever is is not. Uh, is not that straightforward because you become dependent on 
the idea of knowing where those players are going to be. Do you have the right backs, left backs that can sit in there? Are those midfielders potential to slip back? You know, who who are the midfield of the defensive three? Do you drop and and put you know uh, a more defensive wing play? You know, whether it's left back, right back, or a, or uh, or a you know a more attacking wing back. I just it just feels that that is a completely wholesale change. But you're you're right, guys. If you're saying this is now not working. Is it not working because it's been a couple of games or is it just a couple of games against a couple of particular teams? It's a hard one to tell without watching all the games. I think the, the, the problem that you've got is, is the fact that because, because it, it, it is the way we play now, no matter what, no matter what we're facing, no matter who we're facing, no matter what the score is, no matter what time in the game it is, that's how we play. And, and that's, everybody knows that's how we play. So we're becoming quite easy to set up against. And and you know you 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 you've you've just made two two banging points. So the first thing you said there about you know um, uh, teams being built on solid defence, the, the, there's never been a truer thing said. Yes, you know you've got to score goals to win games, but you, you, we cannot continue. And I think we said it a couple of weeks ago. We cannot continue with this. We we'll score one more than you kind of approach because. We we will we will we will run out of you know that that will only get us so far for so long, and and we, we'll run out of 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 that you know um, that that won't happen every week and we'll start losing more and more games. So shoring up the defence and stopping the goals going in is is is, a, is an absolute uh, a, a bare minimum. And the other thing as well is is that you know like you said about. Um, you know, your 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 positioning. If you were going to change from a three-five-two, the biggest problem that you've got now is, is that the squad has been built to to favour that formation. We don't really have fullbacks, traditional fullbacks in 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 the squad. You know, McFadden was probably arguably the the most conventional fullback we had, and he's not in the in the league squad because the players that we we put in the squad are are there to play this this. Three five two or five three two formation, whichever way you skin it. But we haven't really got conventional fullbacks to play in it for. Well, Jamie, Monday morning, or if you're really cruel, Sunday morning, Phil Parkinson gets the squad into the training ground and sits them all down. And what has he done this week to try and address that performance? Do you think? I mean, at the end of the day, I'm sure there's there's been some some shouting and bawling and some effing and jeffing. Or I'd like to think. You know that there has been a little bit of of emotion uh, thrown thrown out there, um, but 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 above all else, you, you know, I, I hope that that he and and this coaching staff and then the players have, have broken down the game, you know, analysed the game and broken it down, and and really tried to have a look at the, all the things that we've talked about because they they were evident to see. Um, you know, the 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 only the only thing that slightly concerning and I guess we won't know till till Saturday for me is the fact that uh Parky does seem to be quite uh I don't say stuck in his ways, but he does seem to be quite um firm in his thought process. And and you know it wouldn't surprise I know I'm getting ahead here, but it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if it was pretty much the same team for Saturday and he's gonna go out he'll go and say, go and put it right. Now you know, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe that is the the right way to to, to manage the team. But, but personally, I, I think there needs to be some changes. But um, 
I, I, I don't know because we, you know, we, we, we only see, you know, all we know about Phil Parkinson and his and, and Steve Parkin and the rest of his coaching staff is the bits we've seen on on the documentary, you know. So we don't know what they're like behind closed doors. Um, I, I, I would imagine they've been very honest and and with with themselves and and I would like to think that they can look at themselves in the mirror, look at each other, and have said that wasn't good enough. That wasn't anywhere near what we're capable of. That wasn't good enough, and we need to, you know, we we can't put, you know, we can't be playing like that again. Wrexham AFC women travelled down to South Wales on Sunday to play their first match in the Gennaro Adran League versus Pontypridd United Women. Steve Dale named an unchanged side from their three-all draw versus Swansea City the week before. Morgan in goal, back four of Davis, captain Karen Allen, Doran and Lovett, Dickens, Jones, Gibbard and Pritchard in midfield, and Lightfoot and Hughes up front. Wrexham started off strong early on as they enjoyed greater spells of possession than the hosts. On eight minutes, a great run from the left by Rosie Hughes puts the ball into the box for Pritchard to just put it over the bar. 17 minutes and a Hughes shot was deflected again, just over the bar. Eventually, these chances turn into goals. On 27 minutes, a fantastic solo run by Lightfoot from the left beat her defensive cover. She ran into the box and shot low for the keeper to get a hand on it, but not managed to keep it out. Ponty nil, Wrexham won. Wrexham continued to dominate and on 34 minutes a loose ball bouncing around the box was pounced on by Lily Jones who placed it low to the keeper's right for Ponty nil Wrexham 2. It stayed this way till half time and after the break Wrexham continued to dominate and Ponty had no answers. On 63 minutes Mary Gibbard played a smart through ball to Lightfoot that split the home defence and Lightfoot did incredibly well to poke the ball past an onrushing Pontypridd keeper and find Hughes in acres of space on the right. Hughes, of course, made no mistake, firing into an empty net, scoring her second goal in as many games. Ponty nil, Wrexham three. On 79 minutes, Cara Jones and Ava Suckley came on for Pritchard and Lightfoot, and Wrexham continued to control the ball, even when, on 87 minutes, Suckley was shown a straight red card, for what looked to me like an innocuous challenge. Wrexham now down to 10 players, and on 90 minutes, Shark came on for Hughes, and Wrexham saw the game out without any more incidents. Wrexham score three for the second game in succession and finish the day joint top of the table with Swansea City. Daz, great result and performance by Wrexham. Are you at all surprised by this result? Uh, no, no. Uh, I think I think we we all hoped that Wrexham would challenge and 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 push through the leagues. And and Ponty is is one of those teams in the middle of the table. So I do think I do think that this was a team that you had to sort of compete with, demonstrate that this is the benchmark that you're you have to be better than this. This is your line, I think. And there's no disrespect to Pontypridd because you know they don't have the investment that uh, the other big three clubs and yourselves are sort of um, as as yourselves getting new players in um so i do think there was always going to be an element of of uh of it being a tough ask of pontypridd but having seen uh the whole of the swansea game against wrexham I'd, I'd seen enough from that performance to see that actually wrexham have i've I've, I've already had a strong squad but i've added to it well um and so i j- just expected to see more of the same actually um and uh yeah you know that, that's a that's a that's a great result especially away i mean it's very difficult to know how you're going to fare um in, in in an away game um and the traveling has never been an issue you know a bit, hardly an issue in the last seasons but now you're gonna you know be having to make more of an effort 
uh, to make the distance. So match days are a very different experience. So, yeah, no, I think, you know, it's a great result. I mean, absolutely great results. But I don't think I'm surprised. I, I, I think from what I saw against Swansea, this, this, was, um, this is where I thought they would be. Well, Daz, as you've said, Pontypridd United have secured fifth spot for two years running, although this year they are currently second from bottom. Beating this side away from home in such a comfortable fashion, what message does this send to the rest of the league about Wrexham arriving? Uh, I think, I mean, I was expecting Ponty to get a goal or something. And I thought Ponty might at least, you know, challenged a bit more. But I think what it's shown is that... Um, uh, Wrexham are not just the goal-scoring threat that we know they are. I mean, we've seen that in in the whole of last season. They, you know, went unbeaten and they were scoring lots of goals. You know, there's there's uh, all of that potential, but can they defend against the likes of the Adrian Janeiro? Now, Swansea's a different league. I do think they're a different side. So conceding three last week to them, um, as much as it was, you know, the the way it happened and all of that was fortunate or unfortunate. Um, it, it, but the, the, that I I think it takes a quality side to get those kind of goals past Wrexham at the moment. Whereas I don't think Pontypridd is that quality. I thought they'd get one, maybe two, but um, uh, so I just think what it's shown is that Wrexham are more solid. Um, you know, uh, there's there's uh, going back to the previous statement. You know, solid start, get the keep the clean sheets, and you and you'll always, you know, you'll always do fine. But the fact that you've got you know great goal scoring threat up front, um, that every team's going to be uh, you know um, aware of that now. I don't think uh, that's gone unnoticed. Jamie, got to give a shout out to a few players who I felt made a difference. Karen Allen. Uh, was absolutely immense at the back, really commanding the defence. Pritchard and Lightfoot were really trouble on the wings uh, for the Ponty defence. Lady Jones and Murray Gibbard bossed the centre of the park uh, and Hughes, as usual, was absolutely everywhere getting in the way. In fact, none of the players I felt for Wrexham had a bad game. Uh, and these are the same names we saw do really well in the Swansea games. How important is it that a side like Wrexham is starting to gel this early in the season? I'm glad you asked me that question. I thought you were going to ask me something about the game then, and I was going to say, listen, you were the wrong... <laughs> well, seeing as I went and you didn't, then, yeah, yeah that would be a little bit pointless, wouldn't it? You were the official Eat More Chips, uh, Ron Burgundy, roving reporting. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's it's really important, isn't it? Because we, I mean, we talked uh, two weeks ago, didn't we, when before the first game, because we were talking about the, quite a lot of new players and, you know, new, new players into the team and into the squad. And, and uh, you know, as we know from watching football at any level, um, you know, when you when you get an influx of new players, it, it, there is that. I mean, Christ, you've only got to look at Chelsea's a great example. Um, you know, when you've got a, a, an influx of a lot of new players, it, it can sometimes take time for them to to, to, to gel and to, to to build up that 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 team. You know, that team um, sort of uh, knowledge and and working as as, as a team. Um, so yeah, it's 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 crucial. That they that they've hit the ground running and, and look you know look look as like a gelled you know unit um, and, and certainly from the, you know the Swansea performance and then from what you told me about um, the, the the game on uh, on Sunday they they seem to have definitely be, be doing that. Can I pick you up on one point that you gave though that you said they are now top of the table with Swansea? Can I just add that you are 
At the top of the <laughs> table with Swansea and Aberystwyth because it's pl- points, <sighs> four right. points. In fact, yes. actually, there are five. Five yes. teams have got four yes. points. Yes. However, you're right. Three goal difference. Yes. Aberystwyth, Swansea and Wrexham. Yes. Yes. I, I concede you've scored yes. more goals. Yes. But Aberystwyth have yet to concede. Now, that That's I am abs- excellent I, play. I am absolutely you know stoked about considering the shape of the men's game. But... Of course, Daz. Of course we should mention that they are joint Thank top you. with Aberystwyth uh, and some other teams who I can't remember right now. But uh, yeah. if you look at it, Swansea and Wrexham are exactly the same on goal scored, goals conceded, goal difference. In fact, it's only on alphabetical order is that Swansea in the table are at the top. Yeah. So, yeah, I understand what you mean. But, yes, no. And to be honest with you, I think of all the games that are coming, uh, it's not. I was. It was. It was going to be the Cardiff game, but actually, it's the Aberystwyth game now that I'm really looking forward to, to the point where I'm almost tempted to take a run over to Abba on the Sunday and actually go to the match when it's in Abba because I think that would be a game worth watching live. Yeah, well, I, I imagine because I mean I know we're drifting away from Wrexham here, but I do think yeah, in terms of competitors and 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 teams to look out for, Cardiff City as champions, Aberystwyth Town kept them to a draw, nil uh, nil. So that's that's not many teams have done that last season um, because they obviously had their you know their 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 brilliant run themselves. So I think that's a marker. I mean, Aberystwyth also don't have the, the 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 squad depth or the money or anything. They're playing fifteen year olds in 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 the first team who are doing amazingly and we just we just got to hope we can keep hold of them but i think city cardiff city um is is definitely a team to watch out for because of course they are the champions but yeah no i i I think i think that would be a a game worth going to so to end the week wales women welcome denmark women to the cardiff city stadium for the second nations league qualifier of the group Gemma granger only made one change from the game versus iceland with rachel rowe coming in for kaylee green in midfield Cymru were expecting a real test against the Denmark side who reached the last 16 at this summer's World Cup. And they were not disappointed. Five minutes in, Cymru's difficulties began as they made a mess of dealing with Svava's right-wing corner. Rhiannon Roberts eventually tried to lift the ball clear but connected instead with Vangsgaard and the referee pointed straight to the spot. Harder made light work of the penalty and converted Cymru nil, Denmark 1. Things quickly got worse for Cymru on 11 minutes when Thorgerson got in too easily down the right before crossing low for Harder to sweep in her second goal. Cymru nil, Denmark 2. Cymru looked uncharacteristically sloppy in defence, often leaving large gaps and not tracking players inviting chances on goal. Threats from the home team were minimal, though Kerry Holland at least made the Denmark goalkeeper think with an end of first half stoppage time effort, which flashing into the side netting. And for the second half, Kaylee Green came on for Rachel Rowe and pretty much made an impact straight away. Cymru did begin the second half with purpose and gave themselves hope with a high quality goal on 51 minutes. Jess Fishlock was involved in the build-up, feeding Green on the left flank. Green helped the ball onto Carrie Jones, who nutmegged Pedersen as she picked out the onrushing Fishlock. Showing her enduring class, she shifted the ball out of her feet before unleashing a fierce shot, which swerved beyond Pedersen and into the net. Cymru 1, Denmark 2. Cymru had hoped of getting back into the game, but this only lasted nine minutes, as Svava crossed for the unmarked Thorgerson to turn the ball home from close range. Cymru 1, Denmark 3. This knocked the wind out of Cymru, and although they continued to work and put pressure on, Denmark always looked in control. 
On 75 minutes, Green and Morgan came on for Fishlock and Jones, and on 87 minutes, an unmarked Thoyle's guard headed in after Clark had parried a Sorensen shot. Cumbry 1, Denmark 4. Harder eventually got her hat-trick on 91 minutes when she struck the ball into the net after Bryn's effort had come back off the bar. Cumbry 1, Denmark 5. The game ended with this score on what was a tough night for Cymru and Cymru sit at the bottom of Group A3 with no points and a goal difference of minus five. Daz, we knew this was going to be tough, but this was a hard watch in the end. Two defeats this week, tougher tests to come next with Germany and Denmark away. Do you think Cymru can bounce back from this? Tricky one, this, isn't it? We've talked about momentum. We've talked about once you're in a losing streak, it's hard to get out of. And having not got the results against Iceland, which I, th- I think, you know, you, we could we all predicted that there would have been a tough result because it was away. The Denmark one, I'd given them I'd, I'd given them credit that they were at home and that may be the home advantage. And that would have elevated Wales's game. And unfortunately, uh, you know, that wasn't to be. Uh, full confession, I didn't see the first half. Uh, I, I came back in to see the second half. And it, it, it from what I saw at that point, I thought there, there were elements of the game that I really liked and at points in that in that second half that you there wasn't much between the two teams I thought there was a lot of come to to and throw and to the fact that you know there was uh you know uh, uh Wales possession pushing through getting to the edge of the box but it was just that last again that last killer pass or uh clinical finishing or whatever or a breakdown in the in the play, and and Denmark will be back up the other end. Now, what I noticed in the in in that half was that Denmark's uh, attack was a far more immediate, far quicker. You were very quickly on the back foot, um, uh, but not automatically looking like they're going to score. But they 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 always looked threatening. But I don't know if they always looked like they were going to score. But that third goal that's what you know that that was unfortunate because there'd been a couple of moments in the game where they could have equalized they could have at least you know uh at, well certainly at 3-1 there was a two glorious chances one uh, you know that cross um uh it was a green i can't remember just couldn't quite get a yeah foot she to literally it. you could see oh, she was within a toe's it. depth of getting yeah. hold of it yeah yeah, so that 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 was you know she touched it, but it not enough to make it enough to go into the into the goal mouth. So you know there were moments, and so had it been three two or three three, then does the spirit of the camp change? Do you think you can hold out? Do you think you can get more goals? But the, but once the fourth one went in, oh heads dropped, momentum completely with Denmark, and then the fifth one was. I thought was unfair. I just don't think. I don't think that looked like that. It didn't play out as a five-one game for me. Three-one. Uh, I would have walked away from that saying we 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 matched them in places, but they're a better side. Thank you very much. Four-one was just just unfair, and and five. Well, that's. I mean, it was yeah, and that one. You know, there there was you know hitting crossbars or saves or whatever, and it's just landing at the feet of the Denmark players, and 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 they well they all they had to do was just slot it into an open goal or you know half an open goal. So it 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 just it 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 sounds more brutal than than it actually was, but ultimately that's the score. That is, and they've got to be better. You know, they've got to be better than that and keep their heads up. And 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 but 
equally, I saw glimmers of the real potential. Uh, you know, we've talked about uh, Fionn Morgan down the wing. I thought, I thought both uh, both she, but but also I thought Woodham did really well down the wing. I thought Rhiannon uh, um, Roberts was was excellent again. Equal, but but then you know there were moments where she wasn't tracking back and 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 and. You know, you could say that, that there were faults within that, but when you're behind, you've got to get the goals, you've got to attack, and and that's what was really positive. So I thought, um, yeah, for, for talking, having spoken for so long about fullbacks and wingbacks and attacking um, from the back, uh, I thought that was a brilliant example of it. But you know, a standout uh, threat was was Morgan, and we without repeating what we said earlier, why isn't she starting? I don't know. Well, Daz, Gemma Granger did say post-match that Cymru need to play teams at this level in order to learn how to play the teams at higher levels. Makes perfect sense. No fans like to lose, though. Um, and they, the, the Wales side at the moment reminds me of the men's Wales side back in the 90s when we were struggling. Do you agree that we should be you know, put up with potentially being beaten regularly like this? Or should we admit, for a nation of our size, that we have limits and we should be playing in the lower leagues? Difficult one, I know. Difficult question to answer, I know. Um, probably not as difficult in the sense that, no, I don't think we should be. I, I, I do believe that playing teams of quality that, uh, you know, that I, I think playing up is great. It, it improves your game. Uh, it, it might might go against the whole momentum question that I was talking about earlier, is that it is hard to get out of a mindset of losing. But... I think a, a senior a senior management structure needs to be explaining this to the team, which I'm sure they are, which is going, they say we're 35th or 37th in the world. Right. This team is 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th in the world. They are expecting to win. So what are we going to do? How do we get past that? How do we get through this team? What is it that we need to do to be better? But I think we're also a better team than the rankings tell us they are. I've seen, you know, the, the game uh, in the qualification rounds, up, you know, where we were playing a few years back, we were playing France, we were playing England, we played USA recently. I don't think we were outplayed by many of those teams. Um, or, you know, there were moments where you could see the, the quality players, which those countries do have are genuinely brilliant but we've got we have got players of that quality in fishlock or um i thought ingle ingle had a, a a mediocre game i don't think she she led quite in the way that that as a captain so you know people can have off days we've you know uh we've seen that but um I, I do think that I like the idea of playing up against teams because then you do get to see how good you are there's there, there is something to be said about um testing yourself but I think it has to be done in the right mindset. And if you are prepared for it and you're working towards that and building on what you've learned, um, my, my fear is that we haven't necessarily, what haven't we learned enough of that, that gets over the line against, say, Iceland when we're winning those games? And, and so if we're technically playing a better team, we should have stepped up another gear and, and won that game. And then you've got a different mindset going into the game against Denmark, admittedly, who had just beaten Germany. So um, they were absolutely up for it because, you know, they, they are now top of the group and they're comfortably um, the team to beat and, 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 and worthy as well. And, and having come from a, a successful World Cup, you know, uh, they were at the World Cup and they got out of the group stage, you know, so that's that's a success. As well, you, know. Um, you know, so there's a country with their tails up this was always going to be a tough, tough game, and could arguably. I know we 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 sort of thought, well, Germany the, the top seed, so that should be the tough, toughest test. It feels like 
Denmark are the team to beat. They're the, the group leaders. They've beaten Germany. Um, so actually, do we just write this off because we weren't going to beat the, t- the top seeds because quite often the bo- you know a bottom seed team isn't going to do well against the top seed. So maybe Germany is the scalp that we should be going after and we certainly need to make sure we beat Iceland in the return match. But let's look at the positives though, Daz. Five years ago, Cymru playing Denmark, we would have parked the bus and tried to keep the score as low as possible. We saw this week a much more attacking Cymru. All right, some of the finishing wasn't quite there, but they were pushing hard to create chances. This should really be viewed in a positive light, shouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and I just think that the, yeah, those examples of 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 the attack attacking down the wing. So whether or not we don't have the out and out number nine, or are we going to miss the goals of some of the recent retirees that, that we've lost over the, from the game in the last couple of years? Then you know we might need to look at how we blood in uh, new new. Um, you know, out and out uh, goal threats in in front of goal. Now, whether that's green, whether that's somebody else coming through, whether or not we rely on the midfield, you know, fish lock in the ten, or you know, midfields coming through. I think there's there's this criticism across the whole team about you know finishing and and getting through. Um, but no, it's definitely positive. But I think I think if we've got these threats and and the pace and you know some really you know talented players, we need to play to those strengths. And 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 as we've seen with the, the, the men's team, if you've got great wing play, then maybe we need somebody that could sit in the mid. Until, you know, I'm not sure if there is a key for more in the women's game, but 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 we're missing something of that type, or we have to look at uh, different tactics that play to our strengths. But there's plenty of talent there, and I just think, yeah, keep building on on that, but work out what our strengths are to break through that final third. <laughs> Now on the Eat More Chips pod, it's time for today's newspaper, Tomorrow's Chip Paper, where we look at the news this week around Wales and Wrexham AFC football. First up, a number of national age groups had mixed results this week. Wales women under 19 played two games versus the Republic of Ireland at Colliers Park. Both games ending in a crushing pair of defeats, with Cymru shipping a total of 13 goals across the two matches, with no reply from the national side. The under-17 women had more success out in Portugal. After losing to the host 2-0, they had a great result versus Denmark, beating them 3-0. Goals from Marid Griffiths on 26 minutes, Anya Denham on 27 minutes and Nia Lewis on 92 minutes. They followed this up with a 1-1 draw versus Italy, Marid Griffiths scoring her second goal in as many games on 20 minutes. Daz, difficult few days for the under-19s women at home to the Republic of Ireland, but a pair of great results there for under-17 women, the, particularly the game against Denmark. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we... we, we, we mark those out as tough games thinking that obviously uh, football nations like Italy and and we've already seen the quality that Denmark have uh, from the senior game that we thought they would be quite challenging uh, games to encounter but what what amazing results um, and so that's given us a lot of hope to think that you know that's that's the future of the game that's the the progression that we need and so with under 17s achieving uh, at, at this level um, hopefully that will then feed into the under 19s I mean that's that's tough isn't it a 7 nil and a 6 nil and, and under 19s have got a qualifying coming up very very soon where they have got some very tough matches I mean are they going to be able to sort of just park this and go do you know what it was too bad days they have to i mean i think having games like that so close together um 
the, the, the reasons that the first one was a struggle are often then the same reasons why the second one was a struggle. There's not much time to change a huge deal. So we can only imagine and hope that there's conversations to be had, training to be done, um, some, some training camps and, and preparation where they can build on that. Whether or not the first team uh, choices were all available. Uh, forgive me, but I'm not up to speed with with uh, with with the selection. So, could there be some new, you know, some returning from injury or availability the issues? Then, then hopefully the team is both bolstered. Um, but if it's the exact same team, same strength, then uh, it a lot of this is going to have to come down to coaching and some real careful management of of of. Those spirits are going to be low. We're going to have to be really clear that that that, that was an, an off week at the office, and that the potential to do better is there. And and then look at tactics, play to the strengths of the team. Uh, it's 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 inevitable that defeat happens, but these these were challenging challenging ones to read. Cymru have been chosen to host the men's UEFA 2026 Under-19s Championship to help celebrate the Football Association of Wales's 150th anniversary in that year. As the FEW was formed in Wrexham in 1876, the Stoke Kairas will be the centrepiece stadium, with Nantporth Stadium Banger, Llanithian Road Cowan Bay, Deeside Stadium Deeside and Central Park Denby also hosting games. Taking place between June and July in 2026, seven qualifying teams, plus Cymru as the hosts, will compete. FAW President Steve Williams commented, I'm very excited to see the UEFA Under-19s Championship come to North Wales. It's an area with a rich football heritage, and I'm sure football fans from across the region will be very excited to experience this tournament. Daz, great that Cymru get to host such a prestigious event, and for once centered around north wales yeah that's fantastic that the you know all these you know you would imagine that there would have been a a, a broad conversation about uh where in wales this should be and and i, I you know i understand a, a tournament of this size um keeping it quite regional is important and it could have been a very easy conversation to go cardiff swansea Clanetli, you know many of the bigger clubs with you know bigger grounds and stuff uh with a network of of access but i think uh this is very very telling that that there's a sense that you know they understand the nature the significance of this celebration if we are going to mark a true 150th anniversary then then it has to go there has to be some connection to the Wrexham origins and i think this is just a brilliant brilliant sort of uh, nod to that history and and you know why not because uh the the profile of the club now internationally <laughs> through through the document you know then it does have a status um but uh, uh I'm, I'm not sure what what people will make of uh the four crosses arena or uh the d-side stadium <laughs> but 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 you know Rheumatize, that's what they'll be yeah yeah but but this is great but i also think that wales get to go as hosts which which is great well that's what i was going to say i mean they're going to come up against the you know arguably at that time, the top seven under-19 sides in Europe. And that's going to be a great test for the 19s men, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the the, the, the fact that our under-17s are qualified for European champ, you know, uh, you know this this year haven't they you know in terms of hungary and and the, you know so there's there's this consistency now with with uh younger teams achieving 
qualifying playing um and and i think well the under 19s although haven't necessarily qualified outright but to be hosts um takes away the pressure but we can build for, towards this now over over the coming years because you know what is it two three years of of, of a build-up so it could it would end up being that under 17 side that did so well um in in the last 12 18 months Wrexham AFC women have been drawn away to Porcelli in the first round of the Butte Energy Welsh Cup, the National Women's Cup competition. The first round is set to take place on Sunday, October the 15th, and ticket details will follow in due course. Porcelli progressed through the first round of the competition after a 4-1 win over Kimmel Bay and have previously made the quarterfinals of the competition where they faced Swansea City during the 2021-22 campaign. This will be the first meeting between the sides since Wrexham beat Portelli 3-1 in the Gennaro Adran North following a brace from Rosie Hughes and Natasha Spearing's first senior goal for Steve Dale's side in March 2022. Daz, the league is important, of course it is, but do you think Wrexham would benefit from a good cup run and particularly in Portelli, which we know can be quite a rum place on a weekend? <laughs> well, absolutely. Um, I think... I think... I can only base it on the fact that you hear so many managers saying that winning games is what it's all about. And so the more opportunities you have to play the games that you get that, that mentality, you get that opportunity, that momentum, we keep talking about momentum, but it is important. And, and so you also have an opportunity we've talked about before, how you use different cups to potentially bed in new uh, players or new, new formations or new structures. So it does give you the freedom to, be a bit more experimental if you want to, uh, but you're right. It, it, the league has to take focus. But um, but when you're up against a team where you would imagine that they would win against a team like Pateli, no disrespect to that league, but but it, it but it but it is it is you know there is there is a there's a gap, um, but it's away and and tough that, place to play. It, tough place to play and and i would i would imagine they'll be up for it again you guys have talked about the the, the you know the, the 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 sights are on your backs at the moment and and so if if Fratelli put in a, a spirited performance and play the game of their lives or you know then or Wrexham have an off day or they 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 play too many players uh, younger players that not familiar with each other, whatever the, the reasons are, there could be an upset. But I would imagine that they would take this seriously and I think they will put a decent side out and I would imagine Wrexham should, should be fine. Back to simple cotton chips this week in the chip shop with three batches going into the fryer. Daz is sticking a thermometer in the roast chicken pieces to check that they're not still frozen and Jamie is getting bugs out of the pickled egg jar. So, ready to open the doors, first in the fryer, it's Crew Alexandra. Formed in 1877 by members of Crew Alexandra Cricket Club and workers at the Crew Locomotive Works, they first played in the Football Alliance, eventually becoming one of the founding members of Football League Second Division in 1892, but fell out of that league after only four seasons. Crew rejoined the Combination League in 1896, the same league as Wrexham, then the Lancashire League, followed by the Birmingham District League for ten years. After playing in the Central League, they finally rejoined the EFL in 1921, staying in the league since then although close to dropping out in 1972, 1979 and 1982. Crew have primarily been a Tier 3, Tier 4 club, with a small time in Tier 2 between 1998 and 2007. 
Honours include Tier 3 Playoff Winners 1997, Tier 4 Playoff Winners 2012, uh, Football League Trophy Winners 2013, and Welsh Cup Winners 1936 and 1937, which means they have more Welsh Cups than Newport County and, sorry Daz, Aberystwyth Town. Last season, Crew came 13th in League 2 with 14 wins, 16 draws and 16 losses, a goal difference of minus 12 and 58 points. Wrexham and Crew have met 114 times with 42 wins, 30 draws and 42 losses. Our last meeting was in 2003 in the League Cup where Wrexham lost 2-0. We last met Crew in the League in 1997 with a 1-0 draw at the Stoke Kairas. Managed by Lee Bell since 2022, Crewe are currently just above Wrexham in 6th with 4 wins, 4 draws and a loss. Their last 5 games, a 3-1 win at home to MK Dons, a 1-0 loss away at Port Vale in the EFL Trophy, a 4-1 win away at Forest Green Rovers, a 2-1 draw away at AFC Wimbledon and a 2-1 win at Colchester United. Crewe are currently 150-1 to to win the league outright, 16-1 to to get promoted and 16-1 to to get relegated. And the chips are done. Jamie, so, on paper, a strong opponent. We're at home. But after the performance versus Stockport, what changes should Parkey make, do you think? OK, so in my opinion, I I honestly would like to see us try a different formation, if I'm being brutally honest. I just think, I think we need to mix it up. Um, but then if you're going to ask me what formation, uh, I don't know, because I haven't really thought that far ahead. But I think, you know, I, I would like to see it, but I don't think we will. So the question, be, the, the question will, will, the question then becomes, what will he do with personnel? And obviously, injuries are always um, injuries are always a, a, a you know a factor, aren't they? But working on the assumption of, of, of who who I think is fit or who I think is available, um, I personally would like to see. A few changes in the team. Let's assume he sticks with the starting formation, or this is usual formation. I would like to see some some changes in personnel at starting eleven. Uh, of those, I would I would say I'd like to see uh, a conquering goal. Um, and 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 I think I think ultimately, like I said to you to you both uh, a couple of weeks ago when he signed you and you 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 sort of certainly you Simon you were like. There's no way Arsenal can dictate that he'll be playing for us. But I, I, like I said to you, I believe then and I believe it now that there's no way he's come to us on loan to sit on the bench. So I think, I think that the, the, they they've been waiting for an opportunity to to bring him into the team, and I think now that opportunity is there because I think you know how it's. I'm not saying that that's just because of Saturday, but I think you know we conceded another five goals on Saturday. Three, definitely three of them. There was a question mark over the goalkeeper. Could he have done better? There were a couple of other mistakes in the game. I think it's now is the opportunity to bring a conquer in and start getting bedding him in as our number one. That's again, this is all my personal opinion. Um, I think the three at the back, um, uh, as much as I was saying before about Toza, I, I don't, I don't think he will, he will come out of the team. I, I fully expect him to stay in the team. Um, and to be honest with you, I actually don't envisage anything different in that back three. I think he will stick with that back three of Toes, of Boyle, and and, and Hayden. Um, the wing backs is, is an interesting one. I think he'll keep McLean in because although he was poor against Stockport, you know he he has had some standout 
games or a couple of standout games for Exum and he, he does possess that, that that quality. So I think McLean will stay in. I can see Ford coming in on the right. I'm not saying that, that you know Barney had any worse of a game than, than anybody else on Saturday, but I just think to, to try and firm up the defensive side of things, I can see Ford coming in in, in the right. The centre for me is where I, I would like to see a change. So uh, obviously, Edit Lee picks himself. Um, I don't think you can drop Luke Young because I think he, he's probably been, him and Elliot Lee have probably been our standout players so far this season. Um, for me, it's Tom O'Connor is the one that probably needs to come out of the team and, and, and have a break. As, as, as much a fan of, of him as I am, I don't think he's been at the races this season. Um, so I, I, I think now is the time to, to, to give George Evans that, that uh, defensive uh, uh, holding midfield role. And then up front, um, I'd have obviously Mullen assuming that he's he's fit, um, and and even if Palmer and or Fletcher are not deemed uh, fit enough to to play ninety minutes, I would play either of those from the start. And I would I I I'm not maybe I'm sounding really harsh here, but I'm not even sure I'd have Dolby on the bench. I, I I'd rather Bickerstaff be in place of Dolby at the moment. To be honest with you. Well the, well, the knives are out, James. You've got it. Hear it, hear, hear it first, as The knives are out. Mm. Expect yeah. the door open, trap door open for uh, Dolby uh, in the next coming weeks. We know how this pans out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but no, I, I would I personally, I would go if if Palmer's fit, Mullen and Palmer. If if Palmer's still out injured, I'd love to see Palmer. Uh, I'd love to see Fletcher and Mullen play. Uh, and and that would be you know that for me that's what I I would go with, assuming that he sticks with the three five two, which I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure he will. Daz, do you think last week was a blip, and you're expecting a different Wrexham descent this week, or was last week a sign of something more concerning and long running? It's it's I I'd like to think that there's enough Nelson understanding of the game in 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 that management team that they're not going to let that happen again there's going to be some whether it's tactical changes whether it's training whether it's just personnel that that i can't see that happening again because i think we saw we saw a a reaction to the early results like you know what was it the five five and things like that we've seen immediate reactions and i just think there's there's understanding of the squad you've got now i I understand there are players coming back from injury, so you may not have always got your first choice around to pick from all the time. But that's what the the, the squad's all about, though, is having the depth. So it's about being perhaps a bit more uh, adventurous by picking players that that aren't your first choice and 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 giving those uh, guys an opportunity. And and Jamie's already suggested a couple there with uh, your man Evans and stuff like that. But it's 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 just um, they they can't completely wipe it off by saying uh, don't worry it ain't going to happen again. I think there will be some sort of action towards it, um, but I genuinely don't see how they will let it happen again. Jamie, we sort of touched on this earlier uh, in in the pod. Phil Parkinson has pretty much played the same format since coming to Wrexham with very rare changes only being made by going to that midfield diamond when we're in trouble and need to score goals. Are opposing teams starting to work us out? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's um, 
I think that's a given because I think you 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 know what you you know what you're going to be facing, so it's it's a little bit easier to prepare for for it. Um, so uh, yes, I think I think teams are starting to work us out a little bit. Um, you you know I think the thing is I think even what is it nine games in now? You know I think we're still trying to work it out a little bit as well because <laughs> it's it's been you know it's just. And this is what I was saying before about the whole Jekyll and Hyde thing is is that it's just at the minute you just don't know what you're going to get. We 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 we've not. I don't think we've seen a settled a, a settled formation. You know, and I said that sounds ridiculous because we we're talking about sticking to the formation, but you, you know what I mean. A settled uh, group of players, you know, playing consistently and and all on the same page, and then building momentum. It it, it feels like we we take. You know, we take two steps forward and then fall back. It's, it's. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think teams are working us out um, because we, like you say, we play the same way, regardless. Does Paul Mullins still hasn't scored yet this season? Obviously, he pretty much got marked out of the game on Saturday, so he didn't have a chance. Is this his week? Do you think to finally break that duck? I think most teams are going to mark him out of the match. That's what. That's what they're going to try and do. It, it, even uh, an eighty percent, eighty-five percent match fit. Paul Mullin is a threat, and I think you're always going to come across teams who their basic tactic is stop him. So you've got to try and make sure you make the most of all the other players who are finding that space. Utilize that as a as a, whether it's a decoy or you know some sort of you know um, uh, focus for the other team. And if you know they're going to do that, then exploit the fact you're going to know they're going to do that. So he could score, of course, but he's still not quite there. But he's getting closer and closer. And we've said that a couple of weeks in a row now. But it's inevitable he will score. Um, whether it's in this game, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm actually quite fascinated by this runner of games that he got coming up. Because, of course, you've got crew again in, in about 10 days time after that in, in the in the trophy. Um, so So it's... It's it is this some some sort of sort of forecast for the tr- trophy game as well, or will will both teams approach that? Because we talked about cup games, you know, will they will they put out a different type of team or or, or just keep going strong with it? I tell you something else as well about this game is that um, it's actually particularly given what happened against Stockport last week. I think there's a lot more uh, there's a lot more riding on this game than, than we maybe have thought about because if you look at our run of fixtures our, our, our fixtures coming up over the next yeah. sort of four weeks i tell you what we've got some bloody difficult games coming up whole, whole man away so i think you know if we if if we lose on saturday that's going to really start ramping up the the kind of um the i want to say pressure but the the sort of um the the um what's the word like kind of anxiety levels I think is gonna are all gonna get a bit heightened because we we've got some real tricky games coming up. Yeah, but equally, you know, if you if you if you had won the game against Stockport, you'd be second in the league now. So we we shouldn't we shouldn't be absolutely writing Wrexham off in any way, shape, or form that this oh, is oh god you know, no, no. about you know this is this is a bit of a dip, but you know they're they're still. In, a, in an incredibly strong position, but the fact that you've got the likes of Crawley, Mansfield, uh, okay, yes, there's there's Bradford or or whoever else is coming up in, in they're a little bit further behind. But these these first few games are you know the the real test of are you 
title contenders? Are you promotion contenders? Because regrettably, we're seeing Notts County doing, you know, brilliantly well considering the, their situation at the top. So, because they, they, they're getting results against some of these teams, so I think it's up to Wrexham now to start showing that they can do that. I, th I, I think Stockport was a, was a was a blip, but it, this is this is the this is the moment now where we have to see how good this squad really is. So, time for the salt and vinegar and sauce cork. Jamie, what's your score prediction for Wrexham versus Crew Alexandra? Screw you, asking me first. Um, oh, my God. I've been thinking about this all day. So, my my head wants to say a 2-2 draw because I've looked at Crew's games this season and they've, got, they've, they've made a bit of a habit of coming from behind. Sounds a bit wrong, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> I was thinking it, but I couldn't say it. <laughs> um, Blimey. So, so I'm given given uh, the defensive frailties that we've talked about. The, not you know this season that we've seen quite a lot from Wrexham. It's so hard to see as, as, as shutting teams out that are you know that are kind of free scoring. But uh, I'm going to go with my my heart and not my head, and I'm going to say. A 3-1 Wrexham win. Daz, what's your score prediction for Wrexham versus Crew Alexandra? Similar rationale. Uh, I think I think that that was a blip. And I know Crew are obviously same place in the league as yourselves. Um, but I, I think it'll get sorted as well. So I'm going for a 2-1 Wrexham win. And I'm predicting Wrexham 2, Crew Alexandra 1. I think Wrexham will respond after last week's embarrassment, but Crewe have had a strong start against some strong sides, so it will be a close one. Let's wrap those chips up to keep them warm. And next into the fryer, it's Barrytown United Women. Barrytown United Women joined the Gennaro Adran Premier League in 2021, finishing 7th in their first season with 6 wins, no draws and 14 losses, a goal difference of minus 26 and 18 points. Last season, they again finished 7th with 4 wins, 3 draws and 13 losses, a goal difference of minus 31 and 15 points. Managed by Gino Esposito, Barrytown are bottom of the league at the moment with two losses, an opening day 3-0 loss at Aberystwyth and a 3-0 loss away at Swansea City. And the chips are done. Daz, if there was ever a nailed-on win for Wrexham, this has to be it, doesn't it? Oh, I love the fact you said it. Um, but I was thinking it. So I, I do think that Barry are, are not you know they're not in the same yeah, they are in the same league sorry that's a ridiculous thing to say they are literally in the same league as <laughs> but, um but 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 the, i do think there's a gulf in in the quality uh barry to barry's defense they have come against an opening day uh, game against uh, clearly an average side that's in form and is firing on all cylinders um and and then uh swansea we've already said you, the, the expectation is Swansea's going to do well. So they are, were clearly two tough games to open with, but they're not, they're not the strong side that uh, I just, I just don't think they'll have anything to, to, to match uh, Wrexham's uh, uh, goal threats potential. I just, I just think, unfortunately, 
Barry, well, for them, every team's a strong team. You know, the bulk of the bulk of the the league, you know, five six teams uh, are bet, you know, stronger. So I I think this is going to be a long season for Barry, unfortunately. Even at even at home, even yeah, at absolutely, Jenna, whatever, yeah, 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 you know. yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I I'm going on Sunday, and I've not been to Jenner Park for twenty years, not since the FAW Premier Cup, the the BBC Cup, they used to run when Wrexham played Barrytown Men. And that's the last time I went down to Jenna Park, so I'm actually quite looking forward to it because it's it's a it's a nice old ground, Jenna Park. Quite, even with the running track, which used to annoy me incredibly. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Wrexham still have to travel all the way down to South Wales to play, and they can only play what's in front of them. Is complacency a danger? Do you think? Um, potentially, but I I, I don't I, I don't that's not a huge concern for me. I, I think um, you know Steve Dale and, and and the rest of his staff. I I I, I don't think they've. I don't think he he's got that you know that kind of a mentality to allow the players to to, to get complacent and and I think I, I don't think they I don't think they would necessarily anyway but after two games and you know two, only two games I don't think you're at a level yet where you could consider getting complacent um, you know I'd expect them to 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 to, to go at it you know to to like a you know like a like a red rag to a ball. So time for the salt vinegar and sauce Koch. does. What's your score prediction for Barry Town United Women versus Wrexham AFC Women? It would be so easy to say the fact that they've lost their first two games 3-0 that I should just go for 3-0 again. Um, so I will. Uh, so I'm going to say Wrexham 3, uh, Barry, Barry nil, Wrexham 3. Jamie, what's your score prediction for Barry Town United Women versus Wrexham AFC Women? Wrexham 3. Barry nil, and I'm predicting Barrytown United Women nil, Wrexham four. I think Wrexham will find their stride and really turn on the style. Barry have shown very little so far this season and will not be able to cope with Wrexham, even though they're at home. So let's wrap the chips up to keep them warm. And for the final fry of the night, it's the turn of Mansfield Town. Formed in 1897 under the name Mansfield Wesleyans, the club first entered the Mansfield and District Amateur League in 1902. In 1906, as Mansfield Wesley, they moved to the Knotts and District League, and in 1910 they finally became Mansfield Town and played in the Knotts and District League, the Central Alliance League and the Knotts and Derbyshire League over the next few years. In 1921, they joined the Midlands Counties League before finally joining the southern section of Division 3 in 1931. After the war, Mansfield stayed in Tier 3 and bounced around Tiers 3 and 4 until 2009, when they dropped out of the league altogether. They stayed in the National League until 2013, when they clinched the title with a 1-0 win over Wrexham. Mansfield have been in Tier 4 since then, and honours include Tier 3 Champions 1977, Tier 4 Champions 1975, National League Champions 2013 and FA Trophy winners 2011. Last season Mansfield just missed out on the playoffs coming 8th with 21 wins, 12 draws and 13 losses, a goal difference of plus 17 and 75 points. Wrexham and Mansfield have met 74 times, the last meeting was that 1-0 defeat in 2013. Managed by Nigel Clough since 2020, son of the legendary Brian Clough, Mansfield Town are currently third in the table with four wins and five draws. Their last five results, 0-0 at home to Bradford City, a 3-0 win away at Dakinikin Stanley, a one all draw away at Colchester United, a 1-0 win at home to Barrow and a 2 all draw with Peterborough United in the EFL Cup, winning 3-1 on penalties. 
Mansfield are currently 11 to 2 to win the league outright, Evens to win promotion, and 250 to 1 to get relegated. And the chips are done. Jamie, Wrexham away at current high flying Mansfield midweek. Will Wrexham manage to lift their away form, do you think? Oh, this is, yeah, I mean, this is the. The, the first of, of 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 the tricky games after Saturday that I was talking about, um, and I, yeah, this is a tough one away. Um, the problem is, is that because of this this Jekyll and Hyde thing that we talked about throughout the whole you know you know pod, um, I, I really don't know what to expect. You know, I do really don't know what 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 we're gonna see because you know. I, it, it, if you you know if you ask if you ask me after Saturday, depending on how we get on against Crew, then I might have a different opinion. But based on how things are at the minute, um, it's going to be a tough one. It's they're they're a, they're a very very good side. Um, you know they've got some good players. They are undefeated this season. Uh, I think they're still one of only two teams in the league that are undefeated. Okay, they've drawn five games, won four, but they they're undefeated. Um, they they don't score massive amounts of goal, but neither do they concede. Huge amounts of you know huge huge amount of goals either, um, and 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 yeah you know anything away from home, and the usual story of everybody we play as we've talked about everybody we play this season whether it's home or away everybody's going to want to beat us so they're going to you know they're going to raise their game that extra few 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 points so uh, yeah this this is going to be uh, this is going to be a tough one I think. Daz, Nigel Clough is a well-established manager with a very strong pedigree. Brian Clough was one of my heroes growing up and absolutely loved him as a manager. Would you expect uh, Nigel Clough to set up an attacking or a defending side at home to Wrexham, do you think? I've got a clue. Um, <laughs> Great. I don't know. Moving on. I, don't know. I mean, I, I, forgive me, but I don't, I don't follow Mansfield. Um, I mean, I, I can, I can, I can say that you know he's he does come from pedigree. He was a great player and 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 had a spell at Liverpool that was actually very promising, but never quite materialised into the career that I thought it was going to be. And since then, of course, his managerial career has done well with Burton Albion and places like that. So you know he has got. Got a, a, a history. Yeah, he's, he's and clearly they're third in the league at the moment. So the, the table is demonstrating uh, a, a clear uh, strategy, plan, success, whatever that he, they're managed to achieve as a club, and to stay still be in the cup um, this week as well. Okay, through on penalties, but still, still achieve. You know, that's another win, another, another. You know, another round. So. You know they they are going to be in good spirits. They are going to be you know up for it. What formation? I couldn't tell you. Are, are they a, are they a three five two club as well? Shall we say three five two? Yeah. <laughs> that, that does. I'm very disappointed that you haven't got an encyclopedic <laughs> knowledge of all 24 teams in the in the second in in the, in, in League Two. Oh God, yeah. come on, honestly, honestly, absolutely. You could have done some research like I did. That's all I'm saying. I could have, but I didn't. <laughs> Jamie, who needs to perform away at Mansfield for Wrexham to win on that Tuesday night? And don't say all eleven, because we know. Uh, well, I think um, I think the goalkeeper's got to play well, the defence have got to do well, the midfield's got to be good, and the strikers have got to put a couple of goals in. Yeah, How's thanks that? for that. Yeah, uh, brilliant. No, yeah. So, no, no. So who's who's got to play well? I mean, ultimately, um, you know, the main things that we've been talking about is being is being consistent issues, even when we've won or played well this season, and certainly were highlighted on Saturday against Stockport, is that midfield and the defence. And I think, given the 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 attacking power that, or threat that Mansfield have got, that that's that 
those units. So rather than picking out individual players, that those units need to, to, to play well. You know, the midfield's got to be more solid. It's got to stand up better to to the you know the, the the threat from the attack you know the attackers and I mean they have got some good attackers. I mean they've got um uh, they've got I don't know if you remember him. Do you remember um Davis um Keller Dunn that he was he played for us in I think twenty twenty. He played like six games or something like that. From what I vaguely remember about him, he was really, really good when he played for us but we couldn't afford to keep him basically we I think we, we tried but we couldn't match the terms that he was offered and he's on fire for them this year this season um, he, he plays like the number 10 role I think he's their top current top scorer but he he, he's, he just you know in that midfield behind the strikers he just ghosts around and picks up those pockets of space so if we're not on it and we're not you know uh, you know closing down those spaces keep you know keep, keep and closing down when the opposition are in possession quickly, we're gonna get we're gonna get caught out. So the midfield unit has got to perform better, and the defensive unit has got to perform better. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And that does is research. No, 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 Daz, that is winging it. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say he didn't do any research. <laughs> so time for the salt, vinegar, and sauce. Koch, Jamie, what's your score prediction for Mansfield Town versus Wrexham? Ooh, um, I'm gonna say one-one. Daz, what's your score prediction for Mansfield Town versus Wrexham? This will put the cat amongst the pigeons. Uh, Mansfield 2, Wrexham 1. I think I'm about to scare some more pigeons. And I'm predicting Mansfield Town 3, Wrexham 2. Oh, screw you guys. Mansfield (laughs) are strong at home. Wrexham are poor away. I hope I'm wrong. I really, really do. But I can't see anything but a Mansfield win here. How damaging a win will depend, as Jamie rightly said, on which Wrexham turn up. So let's wrap those chips to keep them warm. And we'll review these matches on next week's pod. And so, unlike Lawrence Fox and GB News, let's end this episode before one of us says something really stupid that gets us banned. Yep. Uh, you've been listening to the Eat More Chips podcast, the official podcast for one of the greatest Welsh football supporters' flags in the universe. If you have enjoyed listening to us, please support the podcast, like, subscribe, and leave a comment. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, although not much longer from an email I got where Google are now moving to YouTube. You can also go onto our social media, such as Twitter, at Tweet More Chips, Threads, search Eat More Chips Podcast, or drop us an email, eatmorechipspodcast, or one word, at gmail.com. Instagram, Eat More Chips Podcast, and on Facebook, search for the Eat More Chips Podcast group. You can leave us a review if the platform you're listening on lets you do so. And if you have anything particularly you'd like us to discuss, please feel free to drop us a line. Ever by my side are the little and large of football podcasting. So thank you, Daz. Nice one, Supersonic. And thank you, Jamie. Uh, goodbye, dear listeners. I am not talking to my two colleagues after they've just said that Wrexham are going to lose to Mansfield, so screw you guys. <laughs> I've been Welsh Techie, ex-brother of Jamie, and until we meet again, come on Cymru and come on the town.